know, so I, I think that God's bringing people here that will win them to Christ, disciple them here. They may never go back, but through Zoom and all kinds of methods, it'll be family members sharing the gospel back home. You know, like we can reach the world right here. Of course, we need to send people, but but as far as the opportunities here are vast and, you know, we're... You know, we've been, as far as giving to our convention, and this is probably not just driven by the politics, you know, there's anti-incidentationalism and all kinds of stuff, mm. but our giving has been going down for 25 years. Yeah. If, if I was a local church pastor and my budgetary gifts to my local church went down 25 years in a row, there's a problem. <laughs> Right. I mean, you know, like something's wrong, mm -hmm. particularly if if I'm in a community that is doubled in size. Yeah. And so I think Texas Baptists are gonna have to say, you know, we've we've have a big tent. We're willing to live with that vast diversity, whether it be ethnic, language, women in ministry, all these issues. But we have to get back. To having healthy churches, starting churches. We gotta start hundreds, if not thousands, of churches. Just to keep up. Just yeah. to keep up. Yeah. Um, and so that's the maybe in 2000 we could have been distracted. But if we get distracted now, if you think about the kingdom of God as that Jesus called us not for ourselves, but for others. Mm -hmm. How many people's lives will be lost? I mean, think about Texas. You know, there have been more mass shootings in Texas that just have broken our hearts and blown our minds. You know? Yeah. Because Texas, is, <laughs> Texas needs the Lord. Yeah. You know, Texas needs the Lord. We there's there's teenage boys that are lost, and and they they could go either way, and a youth pastor could reach that teenage boy, get him out of one world, put him in another world, and he goes from an angry, lonely kid to a young man that sees a purpose with his life. I mean, I know that's extreme, but I, if we're not out there, and if we're not sharing the good news and living the good news and focused on the main thing, then the stakes are too high now. Mm -hmm. and, and I think, I guess if there's a good news, <laughs> my generation that sort of notoriously allowed ourselves to be distracted, we're hitting the end of the race. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, in terms of ministerial call, there's a huge vacuum. Yeah. But why why would a young man or woman surrender to local church ministry and serve in a local church if all the headlines and all they hear is the kind of stuff that we're that make makes news now. Yeah. You know? Right. I mean see when I was sixteen years old and God called me to ministry, that wasn't even on the radar. You know, that wasn't anything I ever thought about. I never dreamed that I would ever have to combat those kind of things. And, and so, I, but there's a generation of young adults that have grown up in this 
uh, world is, you know, the other thing, the other thing that's a challenge in Texas, and you saw it politically recently, all of our major cities politically went blue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Dallas, Houston, El Paso, San Antonio, Austin. All of your rural areas are red and deep red. The way we do Texas Baptist work, we could survive in the red. Mm. You know, if we, like Decatur, Texas, where I am, you know, we could do what we did even in the 1980s and be relevant, or we could make it work in Decatur. Mm-hmm. But I can promise you, we couldn't make it work in North Dallas mm. or the inner parts of Dallas or El Paso, you know, like. Right. And so I think one of the things Texas Baptists are going to have to deal with is even how we evaluate success because we could put effort in and we could just sort of multiply our influence in those areas where we're already strong mm. and actually maybe even improve our numbers, but still lose the state. Mm. Because yeah. if you don't engage Dallas, Houston, I mean, Dallas has the potential of being possibly the second largest city in the United, or second yeah, largest metro that. area in the United States. Yeah. And it's, of course, what's weird about Dallas is that unlike Houston, Dallas of the top 25 largest cities in Texas, 12 of them are in the DFW Metroplex. Huh. So Dallas area is really a conglomeration of large cities. Right. Whereas Houston doesn't quite have that feel to it. San Antonio is not quite that way. I'm not sure why Dallas developed like that. Uh, probably because of the, you know, the distance between Dallas and Fort Worth, and then you had cities developing between them, and then Dallas went north. But, but, but these urban areas... You know, we have to dream new dreams, mm-hmm. approach it in a different way. I think if we tackle them, we're going to make some mistakes, but we got to do something. Yeah. You know? Right. And it's not planting 50 churches to get to 75. You know, like right. we got to think about how do we church, plant churches that will distinctively shape whole regions and neighborhoods. Mm-hmm where that church becomes the dominant force for good in that community. And I'm not sure we've figured out how to do that kind of thing. I hate that uh, Tim Keller passed away because I think Tim taught lessons on how the kingdom can thrive in an environment that was not conducive to that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, but by his own confession, he had to learn how to do kingdom work in New York City. And I think we're going to have to do that kind of thing in our major urban areas. But the crazy thing is if you just look at the numbers, unlike most states in the United States, if you took the five metro areas off the table, we still have another almost dozen cities that would be the first or second largest city in other states. Mm. And they're second tier compared to the big dogs, you know? And so I think 85, 84% of Texans live in urban context. Wow. So if we don't know how to do city or do church in urban settings, then we got to learn how. Right. Because that's Texas. And, And I think it goes back to Acts. I mean, Paul didn't go to the small towns first. Mm. 
He hit the major cities because he knew that if those cities, the gospel got rooted, then they would have spillover effects. Right. Yeah. His work in Ephesus, yeah. 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 And so I think we have to view the major cities of Texas as critical. And, um, you know, I don't know. um, I don't know that... I don't know that any of us knows how to do it, but I think we can do it mm-hmm. if we get the right people at the table under the right context. But I think that's where Texas, you know, so the potential divisions we face, if we could get our eyes on the horizon or yeah. on the opportunity or the challenge. Um, in Matthew uh, in 9, it talked about uh, the Jesus uh travel to every city and every town, you know, that, that describe, and, and in that passage, it said that when he saw the people, he had compassion on them mm. because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And we got to get outside of the stained glass windows and we have to see the people, Yeah, you know? And, and see that they are like sheep without a shepherd. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if, I, if, you didn't ha- if you don't have Jesus and you're alive today and you look at the political state of our nation, you look at the economic uncertainty, you look at the world. I mean, we're, you know, first time in recent history we have a war in Europe. Lord willing, it's not going to become a world war, but it's affected the world. Right. And so if I don't have Jesus and I've isolated myself and all my friends are on Facebook and, you know, like I have no real community. What do I have to live for? Mm-hmm. Job's not fulfilling me. You know, you can have 500 Facebook friends and be alone. I mean, the church is the perfect answer. You know, a healthy, vibrant church, whether it's 75 or 7,000 people, it's a it's the perfect answer for the urban needs of Texas. Mm-hmm. It creates community, relationships. You got people that care about each other. If you're isolated from your extended family because you moved to Texas from California or Ohio, you know, you have a mom and dad that are not your blood family, but they, you know, they'll come and take care of your kids. You know, like the church is the perfect answer. It was the perfect answer in the first century. And we shouldn't be shocked. It's the answer for today. Right. And and so Texas Baptists plant healthy churches, help our churches be healthy. But, but I think, you know, we ought to invest in our churches. Clearly we ought to invest in our pastors clearly, but I think if we're out doing something, we get healthier. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You, you know, you've had this experience. You send church members on a mission trip. Regardless of how successful the trip was, they came back different. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. And I think that's where, you know, Texas Bad is like, let's get out there and do something. Mm-hmm. And let's do it together. And, and let's let's strive for something so big that, that, you know, it's not likely we could do it, but we'll do far more than if we just said— you know, some incremental goal, mm-hmm. you know, I think, I think we need, Jim Collins called it a big, hairy, audacious, audacious goal. 
I would call it a great commission goal. I mean, when Jesus told that hundred something people, yeah, let's just take the gospel to the whole world. <laughs> yeah. And then we're going to walk there. You know, yeah. I mean, you know, of course for us, we can get on a flight and we can be somewhere in yeah. less than a day, almost anywhere on the planet. Mm-hmm. They were going to have to walk wherever it was or catch a boat or whatever. And he said, I think you got, I, you guys go take the gospel to every nation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know what they thought. They certainly didn't vote on it. Mm-hmm. We don't vote on the Great Commission. Right. And so I, I think that this is a great opportunity. And that's why it's so critical we don't get distracted. Yeah. Yeah. So you're a, you're what, what I would consider a legacy, Texas Baptist legacy family. Your dad, pastor, former for, former pastor, former president, yourself, you have brothers that are pastors, mm-hmm. and you have daughters that are involved in Texas Baptist life yes. and Texas Baptist churches. Sure. Uh, you have a grandson. You have grandsons that are part of, you know, or yeah. that are, attend uh, local Baptist, Texas Baptist churches. What do you hope? Uh, what is your hope for Texas Baptist for them, for their generation? Going forward, what, what do you, who do you hope Texas Baptist would be in the future? Yeah, see, my youngest grandson is less than a year old. <laughs> um, so in 2040, this is 23, he'll be 18. I hope when he graduates from high school that in his 18 years of his high school years, that he saw up close and personal his greater Texas Baptist family make a significant difference in the state. I'd like for him to be able to visit, if you so chose, several hundred churches scattered across the state of all different kinds, most of them being multi-ethnic, because mm. uh, I think that'll be the future. Uh, I'd, I'd like for him to be able to go to any city in any town in Texas and find a vibrant, missional, caring, hands-on church that is that has that owns their community mm. and believes that they are a colony of the kingdom of heaven, right where they are, mm. and that they're part of a greater kingdom. So you know, like, so if he um, chooses to go off to Houston to college or go to a small town like Brownwood where you serve, whether it's Brownwood or Houston, whatever, that wherever he goes in Texas, that my grandson could find a vibrant, growing, healthy Texas Baptist church that's all about sharing Jesus and living out the life that Jesus called us to. And that that when we get together, if he chose to come to an annual meeting, I think he'd want to, because when we get together, it's sort of like um, at the end of a harvest and everybody comes back and we have stories to tell mm-hmm. about what God has done. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you, you know, the annual meetings would be like, you come back and it's like, we don't have enough time to tell all the stories oh, yeah. of what God has done. Mm-hmm. And that, um, and, and you know, of course that's a crazy, you know, that's, but I think it's possible. I mean, you know, I mean, the, you, of course, that doesn't mean there'll be perfect churches. I mean, mm. the church in the book of Acts, 
<laughs> I mean, read Paul's letters, read the, the seven letters of the churches. I mean, they had issues, but yet, gosh, within their generation, they changed the course of human history. Right. You know, I heard Tom Howe, I think he said that by 2050, there might be 60 million in Texas. Wow. If that were to happen, there would be more lost people in Texas than many of the countries we send missionaries to. Mm. You know, like, yeah. wow. you could be on mission and go from your part of town to another part of town or from your town to a city, you know, like yeah. you could be a foreign missionary in Texas. Right. And you actually could possibly be reaching a people group that, that will have, you know, like the interesting thing about the modern world is how interconnected we are. Like when I was in Canyon, uh, we had college kids from all over the world. Robin taught many of them. And there's a kid that was from China and he gave his life to Christ. Well, he was here from red communist China to pursue a law degree. And he was going to study international law. He became a Christ follower. I, I got to baptize him. He went to LSU, and, and instead of studying international business or international law, he studied human rights law wow. with the intent of going back to China mm. to be a voice for the persecuted. Wow. In El Paso, I had the privilege of baptizing a young Shiite Muslim from Lebanon, who still has family in the Middle East. Well, when he came to faith in Christ, suddenly the gospel was in a family group that would be almost unreachable in the Middle East. Right. And I remember when I baptized him, because in Lebanon where he lived, you have to put your religion on your official papers. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So he, so he was Shiite. So I said, so when, if and when you go back to Lebanon, what are you going to have on your papers? He said, Christian. Wow. Actually, he was going to be Protestant because they separated the Protestant. I have a funny story about that, but we don't have time. <laughs> but, but, that was, but, but in Lebanon, he gets stopped with guys with assault weapons. They asked for his papers. If it said Shiite Muslim, they let him go. It says Christian. He may meet Jesus soon. Yeah. But he trusted Jesus so much mm -hmm. that he said, well, if, if I, the Lord sends me back home, it's going to say Christian, mm -hmm. which means I'm going to put my life on the line. Well, if you're going to put your life on your line, then Jesus is going to get into your family somehow. Yeah, You know, so I, I think that God's bringing people here that will win them to Christ, disciple them here. They may never go back, but through Zoom and all kinds of methods, It'll be family members sharing the gospel back home. You yeah, know, like yeah. we can reach the world right here. Mm -hmm. Of course, we need to send people, but but as far as the opportunities here are vast, and yeah. you know, we just need to dream big dreams and go for it. Yeah, and I think if we do that, you know, we don't have any trouble going to a a church in Ballinger or, or Houston and saying, "Give to what we're doing." Mm -hmm. Because we're gonna, we're part of changing the world, right? You know, if we don't give them a reason, then they'll come. You know, yeah. they'll come up with a reason. <laughs> they'll, yeah. they'll, they'll, you know, they'll do whatever that is. But let's give them a reason 
of why they want to be generous. And, and I'd love to see that giving trend change in a way that's kingdom oriented, you know, like it's something God did. But that would be my dream is when your son's 18 and he graduates from high school, every town and every city in Texas would have vibrant, growing, healthy churches mm -hmm. that are Christ honoring and, and truly making a difference in their community for Christ. Mm -hmm. That's good. That's good. That's my prayer as well. Well, Dr. Lowry, thank you so much for spending time with us, with the pastor's comment, and we'll be continuing to pray for you and your ministry and as well as for our Texas Baptist churches. Well, it's been fun. Thank you for the time. Yeah. Hello, my name is David Miranda, and I want to thank you for visiting The Pastor's Common. The Pastor's Common exists for us to listen, learn, and collaborate. It is a space that we've created to resource one another and to equip one another in ministry. Ministry is not easy, and we cannot do this in a silo. So we thank you so much for being a part of this, and we hope this is a blessing to you. God bless.